Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord. My name is Joe Hostetler, and we are glad to have you join us for another episode of Scripture Unleashed. I am here today with Jacob. Hello. Anthony. Hey. And Seth. Hey. Scripture Unleashed is a podcast where we go along with the bread reading program that's put out by the UPCI. Please remember, though, if in this episode, if you hear something different, maybe than what you've heard your pastor teach, you know, it's it's just our thoughts on things. Don't, you know, leave your church and get mad at your pastor. Just remember who your pastor is. We are reading through Numbers chapter 21 through 36. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 3, and Psalms chapter 35 through 37. A lot of interesting stuff in these. Jacob, do you want to talk about Numbers chapter 22? One of the major things that really pops out this week is what is known as the doctrine of Balaam. And we see here, it begins in in Numbers chapter 22, the children of Israel, they they, uh, have just killed the Amorites. They just completely decimated them, and now they're pitched in the plains of Moab. And the king of Moab and the king of Midian, these actually, these two nations are bound together. Balak is both the king of Moab and Midian at this time. They're kind of a coalition country. And Balak sees this massive army of Israel. I mean, the way that he describes it is that you're standing up on this high place and you cannot see the far reaches of them. This is how big Israel is at this time. And he finally, he, he desires to... Hopefully curse the people. So he sends for Balaam, the son of Beor, who is a prophet of Jehovah. Um, he's not an Israelite, but he is a prophet of God. And so he sends right. for him and he asks uh, that he come and curse the people for him. Well, then Balaam goes to God and God tells him, you're not to go with him. And so he sends the people away. Well, then Balak sends even more people, more honorable than the last. And and they come and speak to Balaam and ask him again to come and to curse the people for him. Well, he comes and he says, well, he says, if Balak would to give me all of his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the words of my Lord God to do less or more. And this seems like such a strong statement, right? If Balak would give me his entire house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of my Lord God to do less or more. And this is verse 18 of chapter 22. But then he says, now, therefore, I pray you tarry here also this this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Right. God had already told him no. (laughs) But his greed, his hunger for honor causes him to go back a second time and ask God again. In verse 20, it says, God tells Balaam, says, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. Well, they were going to come back in the morning um, and see him. And so Balaam makes it almost so that he for sure gets to go. And so he rises up in the morning and he saddles his ass or his donkey and goes with the princes of Moab and God becomes angry. And he sends out an angel in the way. Basically what ends up happening is he ends up realizing that there's an angel in the way. The angel then tells him, you know, go with the men, but only what I tell thee. Balaam twice, it goes before God and asks if he can curse him, ask what it is that God wants him to say. And then he comes back to Balaam and he gives a blessing. And the first time Bala- Balak's kind of mad. He's like, oh, don't, you know, don't 
bless it all, don't curse it all, don't do that. And then the second time to him again, and he gets mad that he was trying to bless Israel again. And so mm -hmm. the third time, finally, Balaam just realizes that God is not going, this is chapter 24, God is not going to curse Israel. He, it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, it says in verse 1. So he goes on at other times to, to ask for you know God's word. He doesn't even ask what God wants. And so he lifts up his eyes and he sees Israel abiding in the tents according to their tribes. And then it says the Spirit of God comes upon him. And so he ends up speaking another blessing upon them, even though he didn't go and ask the Lord. So you can see here that, right. that Balaam yep. is, is he's trying. He sees that God's not going to let him. So he tries to get around it. He tries to just not go ask the Lord. But, of course, the Spirit of God still comes upon him, and he still blesses. He can't curse him. As he goes, it almost seems like it doesn't even happen. But it has to have happened in the fact that Balak would not have understood what happens here in Numbers 25 without the help of Balaam. Because Numbers 25 shows that the Israelites abode <clears throat> in Shittim, and people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto sa the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Balaam's teaching was to cast the stumbling block before the people. And it is exactly that that you see it time and time again. There's several times uh, the church in Pergamos in the, the seven churches of Asia Minor. They uh, allowed people of this teaching. In Revelations 2, it talks about in verse 14, but I have a few things against this. This is God speak, Jesus speaking to Pergamos, the Pergamus church, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. The doctrine of Balaam is anybody that stands in the way of the people. If any, if if there's anybody in your church that that tries to get you to do something that you know is a sin whether it's just like your personal conviction but they just keep goading you trying to get you to do it god forbid that there should be such a, pe a person in your church but only the lord knows really and i guess you at that moment when that happens but that is the that is the doctrine of balaam the teaching of balaam is casting a stumbling block before the people to cause them to trip up they're almost right. as if this balaam's this wolf in sheep's clothing that kind of ties in with like what I thought First Corinthians three sixteen seventeen. Paul says, "You are the temple of God, and if man defile the temple, and he's talking about like the church is the building of God. That's what the Spirit of God dwells in in the church. If any man destroy the temple, God's going to destroy him. And you see that with Balaam. You know he he shared how to destroy Israel, and what happened? Israel was able to come back and destroy him mm -hmm. later on." Some people take the scriptures just it's individually based. That First Corinthians three was what the reader will actually read this week, but it's not. It is individually based, but it's also corporately based too in the church. Like if you destroy, if you work at destroying the church, you will be destroyed. What's funny about Balaam is when he is on his way to curse the Israelites, his ass tries to turn to the side, and she actually slammed his foot against a, a wall, like a cliff wall. Mm -hmm. And 
she crushed Balaam's foot and he smote her again, so he starts beating his donkey. When the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Bible says, God opened the mouth of his donkey, and she began to speak to him. And Balaam carries a conversation with his donkey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't freak out like what? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> and and she said, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto thee, Yes, because thou hast mocked me. I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. <laughs> I mean that's just crazy. Yeah, I'd be like Hold up here. Let's uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was reading I was reading one Jewish commentary was talking about how Balaam was lame in one foot. I guess we would know how he got that way. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There That's you go. Funny. All right. Well, that leads us into our next topic. <laughs> Seth, come on. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> the zeal of Phineas. Anthony, Numbers 25. You want to take that away? Actually, I'll start in Psalms 106. It talks about the situation that happened in Numbers 25. Verse 28 of Psalms 106, They joined themselves also on the Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. That sounds terrible, but check this out. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. And so, so is the story of Numbers 25. Uh, the people of the land are beginning to mingle themselves with the people on the Baal Peor. And the Bible talks about the anger of the Lord just got hotter and hotter. It was kindled against the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that he... He spoke on to Moses in verse 4, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. When the child of God gets a hold of truth and righteousness, um, there should be some sort of attachment to that. And certainly there was of this young man who was the grandson of Aaron, there was a zeal inside of him. There was a passion. There was some sort of emotional attachment to truth that took a hold of him. In verse 7, we read about he took a javelin in his hand. In verse 8, he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. But there, there, there was wickedness in the land, and it bothered Phineas so much he, he took a javelin and he, he did what he did. Um, some might look at that and say, wow, how could you do violence? How could you kill somebody? But he was stood up for the message that God had delivered. He stood up for righteousness. Right. And truth without action is not valuable to God. Righteousness and truth are worth taking action for. If you believe something, you should act upon that. And yeah. we see that God rewards Phineas for his zeal. God is pleased with that. Mm -hmm. See, we, we serve a God of judgment. And so many times in our world, in our society, we, we forget that God is a God of judgment. God makes sound decisions. He acts in a way that your actions do matter. 
that's very good. Phineas had a zeal for for righteousness. I mean, like you said, he was he was rewarded for it. That's that's great. I believe that God wants us to to be zealous for the things of God, to be zealous for truth, zealous for for standing up for righteousness. I like Psalms thirty seven. Maybe this kind of goes along with that. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth way. Um, Absolutely. I think that there are some people that God just likes. We know that God loves everybody, right? But I think there's some people that God just likes. Like, you know, I like that person. Like Phineas, for example. God said, man, I like Phineas. But the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You know, have you ever yeah. prayed, God, help me be a good man? <laughs> you know, help me be a good man, because I want my steps to be ordered by the Lord. Of course, that means that you're walking, that means that you're going, um, you're going places. But I do believe that God orders our steps if we're a good man. You know, if we're, we're walking in the ways of God, we are. You know, trying to, we're doing our best to live for God. I believe that God directs our, our steps. I really do. Uh, we can kind of see here with Finhas and his, and what you're, what you're saying is, yes, is, you know, it, it, I mean, that ties in so perfectly that his steps were ordered by God. You know, God, you know, obviously stirred something up in Finhas for him to to go in and and to do this but it's kind of it kind of points us gives us kind of a, a look at what repentance should be like now obviously Finhas was not the one that was repenting because it wasn't him that was sinning but as Israel as a whole right and the violence of how sin should be dealt with like when we repent, it's not some it's not some you know writing a, a goodbye letter to to sin and just you know being all not no it's it's you know, you cut it off when when you repent you cut it off it's just done you're done with it you kill it off and mm-hmm. then also that shows also the reward of repentance that you know God gave His peace a covenant of peace with Finhas He gives His covenant of peace with us when we repent of our sins right. Yes, absolutely. With that, we are going to go to an ad, and we'll be right back after the ad for more content. Welcome back to Scripture Unleashed. In the second half of this podcast, we are going to go uh, to the New Testament. You will be reading First Corinthians chapter 1 through 3. Jacob, you want to give us a brief <clears throat> introduction to Paul first? Hi, okay. my name's Jacob. <laughs> Let me tell you who Paul is. <laughs> yeah, sure. When we went through the book of Romans, we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, more, but Paul is actually the apostle to the Gentiles, and the Corinthian church is a Gentile church. It is, um, in fact, one of the most heavily trafficked areas with idol worshipers and things like that, that they come and go from different directions. It's a major commerce city. Um, Yeah, it's a major hub of, of all different places, kind of like Ephesus is. But Paul is the the original founder of this church in Corinth, and and he's having trouble now. We as we read here, there's some some strife, some division in the church here, and he is. This is why he is writing to the Corinthian church. And one thing that that really points out, Brother Joe, you, it, this is your topic on this in this week, but uh, is the power of the cross. Yeah, I think that. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And 
I like verse 21, the power of the preaching, the power of the preaching of the cross, the power of the preached word. It says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. So, you know, by man's wisdom, we mm-hmm. don't, we don't, we don't know God by man's wisdom. The world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so the, the, the power of preaching the cross, the power of preaching God's word, it, this is what pleases God to save people that just believe in, in the preached word of God. I think we're all preachers here. Have you ever felt mm-hmm. foolish after you preach? You're like, oh my goodness. Like, I just totally, mm-hmm. you know, you just like, wow. Like, why all the time. Yeah, right? Like every yeah, time I'm up there. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh my goodness. You know, you ever you just feel foolish. And sometimes we are, you know, we, we do some dumb mistakes. And, and, and we can laugh at them later, hopefully. We don't take ourselves too seriously. But um, I've made some pretty you know, dumb blunders preaching and things like that. But, but at the same time, it is by the foolishness of preaching that it pleases God to save them that believe. Like, I've, you know, I, I have preached sometimes you're just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that, you know, I, wow, that was really dumb. Mm-hmm. And then someone will say something like, hey, you know, thanks for that, I, I really needed that, that was, you know, it just really helped me or whatever. Uh, and yeah. you're just like, what? Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got word. something out of that? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, verse 25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The yeah, weakness yeah. of God is stronger than men. So even if yeah. you're blundering over the word of God, at least you're speaking the word of God. Right. That's yeah. going to be stronger and better than anything else man can mm-hmm. provide. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of what Paul's talking about is not that we get up and we make a fool of ourselves, you know, which, I mean, hopefully yeah, we don't right. do, but, you know, it's the message appears foolish yeah. to yes, the world. Does. You know, and it's like God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe, you know, and it's like, we get up, we preach uh, the cross, which makes absolutely no sense. Like, who who cares that some man, right. you know, some was... Some 2,000 years ago, you know. Yeah, you know, put, you know, beat senseless, put on some a piece of wood, you know, nailed to a piece of wood, hung there and died. You know, who, who cares? But then we also preach the fullness of the message, which is the resurrection. Right. Yeah. And because he resurrected, you can be resurrected. Yeah. You know, out of your sinful state, in which people are like, you know, like just hearing that for the first time, you'd be like, yeah, "What?" Right. Yeah, you know. But really, that's that's right. foolishness, you know. But really, it's it's the power right. of it, God. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, and you're right. I mean, it's not. You know, it is not. He is not talking about us making a fool out of ourselves. But the the power of the cross, the power of preaching the cross, it is the power of salvation. It is, and thus, yeah. what you're saying, yes. it is the power yeah. of God. It. It, it holds the power of salvation. When the Apostle Paul got knocked off his horse on his way to Damascus, God did not tell him what to do. He said, go to the city, and there's going to be a man there that will tell you what to do. God uses preaching. He uses people that are preaching to to, to, uh, yes. to teach. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and, and it's the preached word of God that saves people when we believe that. Also, I noticed in 2 Corinthians 2.13, uh, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost te- teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so that just goes along with that topic, too, that not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, 
but it is, you know, sometimes it, it, it's not, it's not man's wisdom that holds the power of God. Although, Seth, weren't you saying, where was that scripture that we do teach wisdom though? Yeah. First Corinthians, um, chapter two, verse four and five, like a lot of, a lot of times you'll hear, uh, people in, in apostolic churches, we're very much about the power of God, the demonstration of mm-hmm. the Spirit. Paul says, you know, uh, in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And yeah, that's right. That is, you know, that's what his preaching was. Uh, but then he says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, right? We all believe mm-hmm. that. We all agree with that. Yet in verse 6, Paul does say, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, those who are in Christ, yet not the wisdom of this world, he says, nor of the princes of this world uh, that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God, you know, in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, um, you know, talking about, I believe there, you know, then he goes on to explain uh, in verse 10, kind of what he's right. talking about, but in you know, the mystery, but it's, yeah, it was, you know, we're... <laughs> We, we, we preach wisdom among the church. You know, we, yeah. we, it's not all always power and demonstration amongst the church. Why? Because we're mature in Christ. Like, we need sound doctrine and sound teaching yes. for everyday yeah. life. You can't live off of a miracle. Right. Amen. Amen. Like you, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't. You, it won't sustain you. You must, you must have daily practical advice to live for God. There's the, and there's kind of this, you know, in that, in Corinthians here, Paul's talking the spiritual immaturity of the Corinthian church. They think they're mature. Right. Yeah. They're really mm-hmm. not. And this is so applicable to today's church because there's so many people that, in the apostolic movement, that all they want is just good shout-down mm-hmm. church. Yep. And if you're an apostolic, you know what yep. that means. But that's not going to sustain right. you. You can go get a touch of God. We believe in the power of God to touch you, convict your heart, uh, to strengthen you, to live for him. Yet at the same time, you still need sound doctrine and you need sound right. teaching. No offense, but there are Trinitarian Pentecostals uh, and and Charismatics who can get the same experience that we yep. have. They can have the same touch we get. They can have the same Holy Ghost we get. They can. Um, and they can experience the power of God in the same way that we do. Yet they are not walking in righteousness and holy living according to the Scriptures. Yeah. Speaking of preaching... 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Sometimes people just want to preach, and, you know, maybe somebody would get this, you know, just preach, just preach from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Seth, do you want to address that? Yeah, you know, so I've been in conversations before. I remember growing up in the South where there was a Baptist behind every door. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Baptists, uh, for some reason, even though their name is Baptist, like baptism, they don't believe that you need to be baptized to be saved, which the Bible clearly teaches that you yeah, do correct. Uh, need to be baptized to be saved. First Peter 3.21, Mark chapter 16, 16. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on. Yep. Um, but then uh, Paul here is, you know, they'll, so they'll, they'll point out that, you know, all, you're, all you need to do to be saved is have faith in Christ, which is a great start, but that's not the end mm-hmm. because we know that uh, there's the fullness of the gospel. You have to be uh, identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, which is repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Spirit, Romans chapter 6. But here, so, they'll, and then they'll go to 1 Corinthians 1, and, uh, and they'll quote verse 17, 
And he said, you know, even Paul, he said, you know, baptism wasn't important. And they'll say, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Um, and so they'll say, see, see, even Paul, he didn't baptize. And they'll say, you see, he didn't believe it was important for salvation. But they're taking it out of context mm -hmm. because right. uh, if you look, if you back up, you know, Paul is talking about, is Christ divided? And if you look at verse 12, uh, he's, and he's addressing the immature Corinthian church. He says, now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am, or and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. And he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, yeah, right. of course. You know, uh, and then he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. <laughs> so Paul's making this point. You know, like, I'm glad I didn't baptize you guys so you, so I won't be the cause of a division amongst yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Like, no, the point is you were baptized in Jesus' name, right. not my name. doesn't matter who baptized you. It matters that you got baptized in Jesus' yeah, that's name. that's right. And uh, and and he doesn't want to, you know, see a division over him baptizing somebody. That's so childish, so immature. And so the point is, Paul is not is not saying uh, baptism is not important. The point is, is Paul is saying, um, I, you know, he, <laughs> I didn't cause a division in the church by baptizing you people because, uh, you know, I was baptized by Paul and I was baptized by Peter. Oh, I'm better than you. Like, no, no, he's. You were baptized in the name of Jesus, and that's right. Really yeah, obvi obviously in it. Acts 19, it was important enough to Paul because he, yeah. he found some believers on the upper coast of Ephesus, yeah. and they were just baptized under John's baptism. Well, what did he do? He rebaptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, Acts 19.5. Yeah. yeah, so it must have been important. Yeah. No, that's great. And that, that leads us right into our final topic today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because... Exactly what Paul was addressing in First Corinthians chapter one, this kind of goes with that, or it's kind of the same subject. But he says, "I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." So he calls the Corinthian church, um, you know, babies. That so you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're a bunch <laughs> yeah. of babies, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. babes in Christ. And he said, "For ye are carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and division. Are ye not carnal and walk as men?" You know, there was a whole bunch of uh, divisions going on. Seth, and for uh, it says, for one saith, I am of Paul. And Seth said uh, that would be, what you say, that's UPC. And uh, another, I am of Paulus, that's WPF. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just, it's it shows you the childishness of people right. in our day. Yeah. You know, it does. Because we have, we have uh, church organizations now uh, in the apostolic world that um you know i'm oh i'm wpf i oh i'm upc oh i'm aljc oh <laughs> i'm whatever and it's like how about i am a oneness apostolic uh, yeah. who believes the scriptures right, yeah. how about i'm yeah. a christian how about i'm a follower of yeah. christ who's been baptized in the name of jesus and has received Amen. the holy ghost who cares right. like who you were brought in under who Amen. cares and why yeah. is that a point of division right. like let's just you know let's just be right. the church. Yeah. And Paul Paul talks about it here. Joe's you stated in in First Corinthians three, one, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto, unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And then verse three he says, For ye are yet carnal. Yeah. 
And then he, here's why. He explains why. See those little two dots in your Bible after for ye are yet yeah. carnal? That means he's about to explain why you're still That's carnal. Right. He says, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, right. are ye not carnal and walk right. as men? When there is envying, when there's strife and there's divisions among the church, you're carnal and you're walking and living just as every other right. man would. You're not showing a changed, you know, power of God transformed life. You're showing that you're carnal and you're not living according uh, to how God wants right. you to live. And so then he, he, I mean, he just keeps going right down the line. One say, if I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Mm -hmm. And he says, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Are they they're just, they were just ministers by whom you believed. Right. You know, like that's yeah. all they are. All these organizations are, are just organizations that are there that, that got, you know, there was a preacher there who, who, you know, um, helped you to yeah, believe, right. yeah. you know, that's, that's all it is. And so when it, when it gets this, I mean, this is so relevant to yeah. today, all of first Corinthians. Well, I, I think of that you know, term ministers, it means like a servant, right? Yeah. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, yeah. but when you go to a restaurant, you I mean, and a server comes and, yeah, you, you want a good experience, sure. But at the main thing you want is the food you expect. You want the nutrients. You want you want what you pay for. Like you want when we serve God, people shouldn't be looking for you know, just to go for the minister. They should be yeah. looking for the truth. They should be looking for the word that's that's brought to them. Right. Yeah. And I think this is very relevant. I think actually that uh, the organizational division I think that's it's great, or this topic addresses that because, you know, cause I understand that sometimes, you know, sometimes people feel like I can't fellowship with that, I can't fellowship with that. I understand that individually or maybe individual church, but, you know, it, it, let's say the church has gone bad or whatever, you know, person's gone bad, you can't fellowship with them. I understand that, I get that. You know, that's scriptural as well. But at the same time, this very immature you know, well, they're WPF or they're UPC, so I can't. Like, hold on a minute. Yeah. You know, I would rather be judged as an individual or as an individual church. You know, don't just lump me in and say, you know, well, they're of Paul, so we can't. Well, hold on. If we believe the same thing, you know, we believe the same message. We believe in holiness. You know, hold on a little bit. You know, let's not get, let's not be carnal here. You know, and realize that that all these dumb divisions, especially organizational divisions, are so dumb. Yes, yes. And tagging onto that, because there is sometimes, you know, there's some things that you don't want to fellowship with. For instance, you know, like that that you would have to draw the line right. at. Sure. You know, for instance, if there's somebody who really, really in their church. Um, promotes like Hollywood. Let's just say it's an apostolic church. There are apostolic churches, unfortunately, that are okay with allowing uh, movies, Hollywood movies, in their churches. Um, I believe, according to Scripture, that you should, that's not a good direction to mm -hmm. go down. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if there's a church um, that's near me and they believe that, I'm going to have a hard time fellowshipping with them because they're really not walking in right. holiness, mm -hmm. you know. Truly, truly, true scriptural holiness. Now, at the same time, if I'm really spiritually mature, am I going to let them, am I going to fellowship with them? Because if you're, you know, quote unquote, in a sinking ship, uh, some people bail out and some people stay with the ship. 
and bail the ship out. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, and so it's kind of like you. Why don't you just be very strong and make sure everyone knows where you stand, and therefore pulling people up to uh, a, a scriptural precedent of right. holiness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of separation. Instead of like, oh, well, I'm out, you know, it's just me, us four right. and no mm-hmm. more. You know, it's like, no, 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 just stick with it and uh, and live it strong and live it in front of people and, and yeah. they'll see it. Yeah. Coming to our last topic, because it flows so perfectly with this, is that, you know, it doesn't matter who it is that plants the seed and who it is that waters the seed of the word. It's up to God. Right. It is God, God yeah. yes. who gives yes. the increase. It is he who gets the honor. It is Christ who gets our our praise and our worship. It's not the minister. Yes. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Because Paul said, um, he said, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So, yep, it is absolutely God. That he said, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are laborers together with God. It, it's not us that that gives the increase. It's God that gives the increase. And, you know, if we remember that, put that in, uh, just remember the bigger picture of this, you know, maybe we won't be so upset about who gets credit for what. That's, that's really good. And that's that's exactly, you know, kind of what Paul wraps it up with, you know, like what's your, your work's going to be revealed in the last day? Are you building something on organization? Are you building it on right. you? Or is it going to be built on mm-hmm. God? Right. And, uh, I mean, it's just, that's um, that's exactly right. You know, I feel like maybe we might have the mind of guy, uh, God here. Yeah. Yeah. Saying. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is, this is the apostle Paul. Like, you know, don't, you know, what are we built on? Are we built on Christ? Are we built on a sure foundation? Are we built on, you know, as he talks about wood, hay, stubble, things that are just going to be burned mm, right. away. Yeah. Cause it, you know, really but, it's, he's talking here, like you're that ministry, you know, of, you know, whoever builds upon you, know, ye are God's building there in verse 9. He continues, whatever that, that minister builds upon the foundation in your life, whatever it is, it's going to be tried by the fire, you know, right. by a trial of your faith, if you would. And if it abides, well, it worked, you know, it's good. If not, then you suffer loss, but you're still saved. You know, you, you learn from that mistake and, and move on right. from that burning up, you know. Right. No, that's. Very good. Well, we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Scripture Unleashed. We were very happy to have you with us. If there's something that, uh, while you were reading, that you would like, that jumped out to you, that you'd like to share uh, with us, please do so. You can let us know by sending us a voice message through anchor.fm. Look up Scripture Unleashed. Send us a voice message there. Or if you have a word of encouragement or advice, you can do that as well through that. Also, you can reach out to us in the comments on Scripture Unleashed Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we look forward to having you with us next week as we go through 1 Corinthians chapter 4 through 16, Deuteronomy 1 through 6, and Psalms 38 through 41. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless you. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.